Turns out the coaching change was all the Minnesota Wild needed. They have now won three games in a row. Unfortunately for the Seattle Kraken, their losing streak has hit five games. What's going wrong for Seattle so far this season? And the Nashville Predators exploring trade options for Tyson Berry. We'll discuss all that and more on today's episode of the Lockdown NHL Podcast. We are your team every day. Your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And welcome into another edition of the Locked On NHL Podcast. We are your team every day. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown NHL your first listen each and every day. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast platforms so you don't miss out on any new episodes throughout the week. On today's episode of Lockdown NHL, we discuss the uh, John Hines coaching change for the Minnesota Wild and what has led to them winning three games in a row. We'll go to the other side of the coin with the Seattle Kraken having lost now five straights. And we'll talk about the Predators options with Tyson Berry uh, being on the trade block. Today's episode of Locked on NHL is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked on NHL for $20 off your first purchase. My name is Seth Topal, one of the hosts of the Western Conference Tuesday edition of Lockdown NHL, joined by Nick Morgan, my co-host of Lockdown Predators. And Nick, we uh, had the opportunity to essentially break the news uh, with the fact that Dean Evison was fired on Monday late afternoon. Uh, John Hines comes in and uh, we talked about what he could potentially bring to the table. And uh, I guess what he's brought to the table is three straight wins because the Wild have handled their uh, three opponents, beating uh, each team, the St. Louis Blues, the Nashville Predators, and the Chicago Blackhawks. 13-3, to the goal differential since Hines took over. Uh, the team is 10-11 of 11 on the penalty kill, 3-7 of 7 on the power play, and who knew that uh, just simply changing the guy delivering the message in the room uh, would lead to the Wild getting back to the team that I think a lot of people expected coming into the season. Yeah, uh, the three teams you mentioned weren't exactly sterling competition, so there there was an easier slate, I'm sure. Uh, we'll see what this Wild team actually looks like when uh, they get in a bit of a tougher schedule coming up here in, a, in the next couple of weeks. But, hey, you know, that was John Hines' thing in Nashville, too. Uh, back in the, the the year that COVID wound up wiping out the second half of the year, John Hines came in. The Preds were in a little bit of a rough spot, and he helped Nashville sort of get to the best that they've played all season. That's kind of the coach John Hines is. He's very good at coming into a team that's kind of struggling, a team that doesn't have a direction, and kind of looking at it and going like, okay, here's what we're going to do right now to turn this around. And it sounds like that's what he's done for the wild. Yeah. And he, he has kind of, I think flipped the identity of this team from one that is just this slow moving hulking team that is trying to, to hit everything that moves to try to slow you down to a team that is, you know, they're not the fastest team, but they're playing with 
pace and quickness and just trying to be quick and deliberate with everything that they do to try to match there there is speed throughout the NHL and so I think that has been one of the biggest things that they have done right since he took over is going from this hey we're going to buck the trends we're going to be you know the the hull of the Titanic roaming through a, a yard full of speedboats trying to just get in the way to now hey we can uh, we can play with some speed ourselves and uh, i think that has made a huge difference is just changing the uh, identity of this team and that's kind of you saying that is the most interesting thing i think i've ever heard because that was the polar opposite of john hines in nashville he went from the peter laviolette team to the nashville predators of last year which was that hulking hit everything that moves kind of circle the wagons defensively team. Uh, And, you know, he called that, you know, sort of identity hockey where they were going to be physical. They were going to, you know, hit a lot. I think they've uh, in Heinz's tenure, Nashville wound up leading the NHL in hits. Uh, And of course, one of the leaders in block shots as well. That was what he was in Nashville. So it's interesting that it was kind of a Missy Elliott flip it and reverse it kind of situation in Minnesota, because I was expecting, you know, more of the same of that. You know, I was expecting Minnesota to kind of embrace that style of hockey, that sort of physical we're going to have two lines that just are offensive juggernauts and speed up and down. But the rest of the team, you know, they're going to circle back and defend. They're going to block a lot of shots. They're going to kind of just clog up the middle of the ice. Uh, you know, maybe maybe allow a lot of shots, but none of them are big quality. So for John Hines to kind of be like, okay, we're, we're looking at this. We need a little bit more speed. We need the play to be a little bit more often. We need some more skill. I'm looking at that going, why, why couldn't you figure that out any time in the past two years? Ellie Tolvin, it would still be in Nashville doing <laughs> something. Like, why – why couldn't you have come to this conclusion that that's how the NHL is supposed to play sooner? Yeah, he he's been uh, speed has been the operative word since he took over, and I it's one of those situations where I think some time away from the uh, NHL, and by time away I mean one off season. So it's not like he was away. It's not like a Mike Babcock situation where he was out of the game for five years. He just didn't pick up a job after being let go by the Predators until the Wilds came uh, came calling. And sometimes I think it allows you to step back and just kind of look at what is winning in the NHL at this point. And uh, yeah, the the operative word under Dean Evison was grit for this team. That word has not been mentioned. And trust me, I've been keeping track. Uh, that word has not been mentioned once since John Hines took over. The operative word has been speed, both in foot speed and just in quickness of decision making. So he's learning. Are we sure this is John Hines? <laughs> Are we sure this isn't somebody else? By the way, um, A plus on the uh, Missy Elliott. Um, we we've hit the Missy Elliott quota for uh, today's episode. That was that was masterfully done. Yeah, that's unless we can talk about, you know, Matty Beneers getting his freak on. I think that's probably the quota for the day. 
You know, uh, one more thing on John Hines and, and the Minnesota Wild. It, I'm, I'm curious to see what this is moving forward. Um, you know, John Hines obviously is very good at coming in and kind of figuring out a way for players to play to the best of their ability. Can they keep it that way long term? Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be the interesting question for John Hines. Is he's very good at kind of looking at it and being like, okay, here's what we're going to tweak. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to kind of get this roster back to the best of its ability. When Minnesota goes in and starts, I guess, you know, actually making some roster changes, that's going to be the interesting thing. Yeah, and we've we've seen this team. We've seen the way they operate when they're up big, when they're winning. What do some of the tactical things look like when they're trailing going into the third period or the the effort isn't as good as it's been? What what sorts of tweaks do we see? That's the stuff that I'm intrigued because we've seen one side of this coin, but you're not going to have a three goal lead going into every third period. You're not going to get out to those early starts every game, especially on the road especially against some uh, very tough opponents in December. So what uh, what does John Hines do to get this team going when things aren't going according to plan? Those are all the intriguing things that uh, that I'm looking forward to seeing as this plays out. We go from a three-game winning streak to a five-game losing streak. The Seattle Kraken are in uh, not fun mode at this point in the season. And so we will take a look at uh, some of the things that have gone wrong for Seattle so far. That is on the way as we continue today's episode of the Locked On NHL podcast after this. Today's episode of the Locked On NHL podcast is brought to you by Indeed. When you're drafting your fantasy team, do you ever wish you could do the same thing with your business team? If you're building a roster to win the league, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. Indeed does the hard work for you. Sponsor a job and boom, Instant Match shows you candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately after you post. With Instant Match, you can start hiring fast. Indeed knows when you're growing your own business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements. Visit Indeed.com slash locked on to start hiring now. Just go to Indeed.com slash locked on. That's Indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available to everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Locked On NHL podcast. Once again, we are your team every day. Seth Topol and Nick Morgan holding it down on a Western Conference Tuesday. Nick, the Seattle Kraken are not in party mode right now. It's now a five-game losing streak for the Seattle Kraken. They are currently in fifth place in the Pacific Division. Two point uh, two points ahead of the Anaheim Ducks, who are in absolute freefall mode themselves at two and eight in their last ten, and uh, three points ahead of the surging Edmonton Oilers, and uh, yeah, eight points ahead of the San Jose Sharks. But who's really counting there? Um, what is going on with the Kraken, who had that great season last year, but they just have not been able to get back on track so far this year? I'll give you one number. 
92. 92 is how many goals the Seattle Kraken have allowed this season to their opponents. Uh, one of the team, it's, it's the third worst number in the league in Ooh. terms of goals against. Uh, there are two teams behind them, one of which is the San Jose Sharks, who have let in 10 more. I bet you cannot guess the other team. Um. Oh boy. Uh. Let's let's try to sleuth this out. East Eastern Conference or Western Conference? It is an Eastern Conference. Hmm. I would I, want to guess Columbus. It is not. Columbus has actually allowed fewer goals than the Seattle Kraken. Here's one okay. big hint. This they are not going to be this bad defensively for the rest of the season due to a key injury now being healthy. Wow. The um I, I know exactly who you're talking about because they just got Andre Vasilevsky back. Yeah. The Tampa Bay Lightning. The Tampa Bay Lightning are the second worst defensive team in the NHL this year in terms of goal goals allowed. Wow. Yeah. That, uh, that is definitely not fitting of the Tampa Bay Lightning. I have a feeling Andre Vasilevsky is going to kind of Missy Elliott that script and flip it and reverse it. Yeah. Uh there's there's three on our counter. Yeah, I mean that's wow. that's the story of the Seattle Kraken is Philip Grubauer. It's it's not getting better, Seth. And this has been three years now. Um, you know, other than that little window where last year's Stanley Cup playoffs took place, Philip Grubauer just not has had a positive impact on the Seattle Kraken. You know, they got Joey Decord as the backup this year. It's, again, like not playing, it's somehow playing better than Grubauer a lot of games, but not playing anywhere as close to where you need him to be to kind of steal wins. And, you know, I was expecting to kind of go through like the Kraken site and be like, ah, oh, yeah, like this person who got 30 points last year is nowhere near that or, you know, uh, of course, they're not going to get the same depth that they had last year. No, they actually do have a decent amount of depth. You know, they have 10 players, 10 players uh, with 10 or more points. You know, they have like guys like Ellie Tolvanen, again, 17 points this year. Matty Beneers, that's a bit of a sore spot, not anywhere close to where he was last year. But, you know, Vince Dunn is back to where he was. Oliver Bjorkstrand's having a good year. Jordan Everly's having a good year. So it's a lot, it's the same sort of recipe that helped them be good last year. It's just goaltending and defense. Cause I think we got to credit team defense in this too. Just nowhere near as good. And it's, I think they're at the point where it's just, they're not surviving games like they were last year when this was going on. Yeah. Six overtime losses already for the Seattle Kraken um, on the season. And you look at on this stretch, I mean, they have lost games to teams that you just have no business losing to. I mean, it started it started with a loss to Vancouver five to one, which fine. That's uh, that's that's a loss that you, you look up at the standings and you're not super upset about. But losing four to three to Chicago. Yes, they lost to the Maple Leafs, which again, fine. But they lost two nothing to the Senators, and they just lost four to two to the Montreal Canadiens. Um, those those are games that 
you look at this season and before the season even started, you had probably penciled in as wins. And it's even more so frustrating because you look at how those teams have been playing lately, especially in Chicago's case and Montreal all season has not been super great. Those those games look even worse because those teams have been, I think, worse than we expected they would be. And so those are games that you got to have, and they're just not able to kind of get out of their own way at this point. Not having Andre Burakovsky hurts them. Yes, a lot tremendous. That was a big piece of their death last year. And, um, you know, it, it's still, it seems like it's up in the weeds as to when he's going to be back. They just got, you know, Tanef back, which that's a little bit of a help. But I mean, he's not, you know, as the 50, 60 point scorer like Burakovsky. Um, and, you know, we talk about the depth and how good that, you know, a lot of this depth for the Kraken were last year and how it helped them win. I don't see, I'm trying to think of the best way to put this, Seth. It's not, I, I they don't have anybody who's like ready to sort of burst beyond what they did yeah. last year and take that next step. You know, last year seemed like kind of a, this is like the career ceiling or this is like kind of, kind of the career average. Um, you know, it's not like, you know, it's not like they have anybody like, I'm just throwing out a name here, like Devin Shore, who's all of a sudden going to become like a 30, 40, 50 point score. You know, it's like if they get like, you know, 25 to 30 out of a player like that, then they're going to be good. But it's it's one of those things where, yeah, they have depth. They have a lot of people doing what they do very well and kind of contributing for the role they are. But it's not like they have every anybody who is like, okay, they're ready to step up into this role yeah. and sort of take command. I mean, unless it's Shane Wright, who God knows what's going on there. Cause he's only played three games this season and hasn't really looked great in any of them. Um, and, and then, you know, the other thing, it just comes down to Matty Beneers nowhere near as good as he was last year, sophomore slump a, a little bit. That's not going to be the case for his whole career, but him, you know, kind of, you know, having a rough second year is also a big hurt to Seattle right now. Yeah. And it's, it's a situation where oftentimes you, if you're a veteran heavy team, you look for that youth to give you a spark and you hit it right on the head. There just isn't anybody that's kind of stepping up to take over at this point for the Seattle Kraken. and an eight and uh, eight and 18 through the first 26 games of the season. That's, that's not great. And, uh, especially in what I would consider a winnable Western conference. I mean, you got your, your heavyweights at the top, your Dallas, your Colorado, your Vegas, your LA, your Vancouver. But beyond that, beyond those top teams, it is wide open for uh, those wildcard spots. And I think Seattle's got to be disappointed at the fact that they are very much on the outside, uh, very much on the outside trying to uh, hop back in at this point. And, uh, they're going to have to do it soon because these losses stack up and Minnesota knows it well. They've they've now hopefully kind of righted things, but those losses stack up and it gets to be just miserable. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens with Seattle. But um, at, at this point, it is interesting that we have now some trade trade wins a blowing 
in uh, in Nashville. And so we'll shift from uh, talking about the Kraken not having any fun to uh, the Nashville Predators who may be looking to uh, make a move. All that coming up as we continue today's episode of the Lockdown NHL podcast after this. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Going to sporting events is fun. Buying tickets to aforementioned sporting events, yeah, it's not that great. For instance, my dad and I went to Fenway Park a a while back. Neither of us had ever been, so we were looking forward to it. We got tickets we thought were a great deal. Lo and behold, we wound up sitting behind a pole. We could only see the pitcher's mound or the batter's box, not both at the same time. A little bit of a damper on the situation. That's why we now use Game Time. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the exact view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. And if you hate those hidden fees that other apps pop up, Game Time puts the all-in prices up front, so you know exactly the amount you're going to pay before you click buy and you can get the tickets delivered to your phone in just two taps not have to dig through all those emails or go to the box office or anything like that there's a big reason that game time is the fastest growing ticketing app they have flash deals on tickets for football baseball concerts comedy theater and of course hockey sometimes right up to the minute the event starts so take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms again. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. One final segment of the Locked on NHL podcast, Western Conference Tuesday edition. We are your team every day. Seth Topol and Nick Morgan. And Nick, again, we uh, we go to you for the scoop on uh, what is going on. Tyson Berry on the uh, the trade block. What's up in Nashville? Uh, interesting timing is what's up in Nashville. So here's kind of how this all played out. Uh, on, on Saturday morning, it was Elliot Friedman that put out is, hey, the Nashville Predators, they're making Tyson Berry a healthy scratch for the next, you know, for this weekend's games. They've given him permission to seek a trade. So everybody's like, oh, maybe he, you know, asked for a trade. Maybe they're like, well, he's going to be at the deadline anyway. So are they going to healthy scratch him until, you know, something seems close uh, and then we get to Andrew Burnett at his press conference, and he kind of said, no, Tyson Berry's scratching was more performance-based uh, than, than anything else. It was just we needed a little bit of a reset for him. We, had, we need higher expectations for him. So there's a lot going on. And then we also had the 32 Thoughts podcast yesterday where uh, Freeman came out and said, hey, it might not just be Barry that's on the trade block. The Preds may shuffle some defensive things around. Alexander Carrier, who's unfortunately hurt right now. Dante Fabro may be on the block. So uh, the trade wins for Nashville Predators are kind of picking up uh, about three months before we thought they would. So a lot going on in Nashville, especially on the defensive side of the ice. Well, and it's it's interesting to me as somebody who uh, is is looking at this from the outside perspective of this is a Nashville team that earlier won 
six games. And so this, I think, further speaks to that Barry Trotz still, even though the team has uh, has been winning lately, Barry Trotz is still making some tweaks to this uh, this lineup and just trying to still get kind of that right combination, but also playing it right if he ultimately views that this this team is not playoff caliber, uh, that you want to be still making moves to give yourself more draft picks, more young players to build around. And so, you know, if if your ultimate goal is not at the end of the season to uh, to get into the playoffs, if you're taking a more realistic approach to things, then, yeah, shop shop around and uh, and try to add some more uh, draft picks to your your arsenal to uh, be able to give yourself a chance at developing some uh, new pieces of a young core. And that seems to be sort of the underlying message in Nashville is let's just get some younger people in there. They just brought up Spencer Stastny from Milwaukee for what probably seems like it's going to be the last time. Uh, I, I just based on how he's played and how, what the Preds think about him, I don't really foresee them wanting to send him back. I think he's in the point where they want to keep him up there. Uh, I would imagine they would like to give somebody like Mark Del Geizo, maybe Jake Livingstone, a, a, a more longer look in Nashville, and maybe invest on some of these guys that may be here four, five, six years down the line as you're trying to put a core together. And that's just not what Tyson Berry is you know tyson berry veteran pickup e- even before he played his first game in nashville when he came over in that matthias at home trade a lot of people were like oh yeah this is this is a future trade piece not like ah yeah tyson berry is going to be great for you know the next four or five years um so i think you know if, if and because of that andrew burnett was kind of having him as more of just sort of like a auxiliary you know auxiliary role not necessarily putting him in the top four um, you know, I think Barry saw that, saw the writing on the wall and just kind of went like, you know, hey, man, look, you know, if, if you're not if you're just kind of having me be a placeholder right now, um, you know, it, and if I'm going to be a traded at the block anyway, let's just kind of do this now. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's nothing nothing out there that said Barry asked for this. Um, but if he did, you could 100 percent see his point of view. Um, what is, what is Barry's cap hit? Because I know a team that is in need of a uh, potential third pairing defenseman and can offer you a slightly used John Merrill. Do we want the John Merrill? Can we just, do we <laughs> no, have a draft no, you pick? Don't. I don't have a draft pick you can throw in there. I, I went believe to I believe um, it's four, four and a half, maybe. Oh yeah. That's, that's a no then. Um, yeah. the Minnesota wilds can't afford that. And I say it because, I was at the uh, the game against Chicago on Sunday, and John Merrill at one point nearly created an own goal for the Minnesota Wild because he was on the left side of the net, and he threw a pass through the crease that had Marc-Andre Fleury been an inch further out of his own net would have hit off the back of his skates. It was it, There was this much room between the crease and where the puck went through and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, did we just almost own goal ourselves? Yeah. Like, what well, what's happening here? So I'm I'm very much in the like, let's Look. let's end the experience. Let's let's allow him to go out on tour somewhere else. 
and uh, just not have to deal with this anymore. Look, we we have Luke Shen in Nashville right now, and he's he's doing bad enough of a job. We do not need more of that energy. Yeah, fair enough. Blue line. But, you know, you're talking about teams that Barry might go to. Uh, Vancouver is one where I think a lot of people have been connecting him to just because Vancouver has been looking for another uh, defenseman to play behind Quinn Hughes for what seems like 20 Ever. years now. Yeah. Uh, the other interesting name out there. Does he go back to the Edmonton Oilers? I mean, certainly could. I mean, they're, they're trying to boost their defense. They need some more scoring from the blue line. We already know he's got good chemistry with, you know, sort of that top scoring unit of, you know, Dreisaitl and McDavid. I mean, huh? Oilers fans, like, you, you into that? Another another young player back our way? They're yeah, like, maybe? please no. Please no. <laughs> yeah. uh, time will tell. Uh, it, that is an interesting proposition because I don't think Edmonton's in a position to turn away any sort of help on defense um, of any kind. So... Maybe a reunion isn't uh, entirely out of the question for uh, for the Oilers, who are suddenly surging at seven and three in their last ten. I feel like we all predicted that that was going to turn around sooner yeah. rather than later. Yeah, it was only a matter of time and a coaching change before they finally got themselves back in the uh, in the good graces of the Western Conference. The question is: Is it going to be enough? Spoiler alert: It probably will be. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens, but that will do it for today's episode of the Locked on NHL podcast. Once again, we thank you for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss out on any episodes throughout the week from our wide panel of Locked on NHL hosts. You can also uh, find all sorts of content at the Locked on NHL uh, YouTube channel. So make sure to tune in and uh, make sure to stick with us as we move through the rest of the week. You've got new episodes every Monday through Friday as part of the Locked On Podcast Network.